You're listening to the Between You and Me podcast, brought to you by JesusWire.com, with your host, Jessica Morris. Good morning. Welcome to a new episode of Between You and Me. I am Jessica, your host, and I am so happy that you are here for episode nine of our podcast, which is all about having real chats with musicians about what makes them hurt and heal and what changes us. I know every week I say I'm genuinely excited about our artists that we have on, and that's true. But this week is extra special because my friend Gustavo Guerrero is on. Now, Gustavo and I literally only met about a month or two ago through mutual friends, and our first conversation is actually this podcast interview, which you'll see. Now, when I found out that Gustavo and I had mutual friends, I was really interested in his music. He uses current and eclectic sounds mixed with his heritage to create something really beautiful. His cover of Imagine with Alex G has had millions of hits on YouTube and he actually performed it uh, for the Democratic National Committee. Now, I would be remiss not to say that a part of Gustavo's identity and his music is actually the fact that he's a DACA dreamer. But I would also be remiss to say that that completely defines him. Gustavo is also a friend. He is a son. He is a brilliant creative and he has a faith in God. I talked to Gustavo about the intersection of faith and politics when you're actually the person impacted by the policies that so many people in the church are rejecting or accepting. It's a really tough conversation, but also really important. I've tried to leave it as unedited as possible so you can really understand Gustavo's heart and his grace. It also gets a little bit lighter. As I said, it's our first conversation and we stumble upon the fact that we both love personality theories. We talk a little bit about the Enneagram and then halfway through we find out that we both are obsessed with Switchfoots. So we start swapping notes about our favourite Switchfoot albums. I really enjoyed this conversation. It felt really life-giving and organic and truthful to me and I am so glad that you get to hear it. Now, Gustavo is dropping his new single today, so make sure you go check him out on iTunes, Gustavo Guerrero. You'll also find the link in our episode synopsis below. His debut EP is coming out very soon. He's currently funding for it, so make sure you keep up to date with our social media just to make sure you know when that's coming out and so you can pre-order it. But you will hear some of his new EP as well as some of his old stuff weaved in through this interview. It goes between his new original work to covers like Imagine to even some bilingual work. It's stunning and I'm really excited for you to hear it. So here is Gustavo Guerrero. Gustavo Guerrero is many things. A musician, a son, a friend. He is a product of the Honduras and of South Carolina, of Florida and of Nashville. He is a DACA dreamer, a poet and an activist. Growing up in the Honduras, he moved to America when he was 12. With many family members in the church and ministers, He quickly developed a love and passion for music, starting with drums and out of necessity, growing to start playing things like piano and singing in worship. Largely self-taught, he continued to pursue his love of music, 
which led him to work with churches in Los Angeles, recording with their music teams. Moving to Nashville, Gustavo found fame when he recorded with his friend Alex G on a cover of John Lennon's Imagine. The YouTube video racked up millions and millions of hits, resulting in a call from the Democratic National Committee asking him and Alex to perform at their convention. Through this, he was able to speak to senators like Bernie Sanders and continue to build his platform as an activist, not always out of choice, but out of necessity. With singles under his belt like Feels Like Home, his debut EP is on the way. The first single from the EP, La Promitida, came out in November with the follow-up dropping today. His EP, titled Tales of a Dreamer, is all about his experience finding home and looking for a place to belong in a world and a country and a faith that often rejects him or seeks to redefine who he is. It is for the misfits and the uncomfortable in their own skin the people trying to find their way in the world and those who already know what it is. I spoke to Gustavo about his passion for music and how it developed from an early age, how faith influences every aspect of his life and is holistic, and the greatest challenge he faces in the church today. This is Gustavo Guerrero. Can you tell me how you fell in love with music? When did that happen for you? Um... Yeah, music was always a part of my life growing up. Uh, but I think my obsession with music, if you want to call it that way, started in church. Um, I used to, I remember going to church and seeing the drummer. Like that was the first instrument that attracted me. My early memories of music were me drawing a drummer, like on a little notebook I had in church. So I would spend the whole like, I would spend the whole sermon just looking at the drums and like drawing the, the drums in my notebook. That's so that's kind of like, I started as a, you know, aficionado of like drums and started playing drums too. But I think thanks to church, I was able to get into it. So I was listening to the podcast that you recorded with Brandon Harvey and you mentioned a bit about you had sort of family members who were like ministers in the church and they were the ones who were like, uh, we really need someone to fill in today, so you need a singer. Yeah. Is that is that yeah. how progression sort of happened with different instruments and stuff? Because you're self-taught, right? Yes, I, I am self-taught, even though like I did some high school lessons and stuff like that, but it's mostly self-taught. But yeah, it was always out of necessity that I started playing drums, uh, musical instruments in general. I think that, you know, one time the worship leader quit, and so I had to play piano, and then like... You know, somebody else moved away. I had to play bass, and then Typical we had church. This, like, yeah, and then we have like those prayer services where not many people will go. And this is like, I'm talking about like a small church. Like I'm talking about like 30 people, like 60 people. And so some sometimes like on Tuesdays we would have like those prayer services that nobody would want to go to because it was all about just praying and worshiping. And yeah, for some reason that was always like the lower attendance. And so the the, the the worship leaders and the people who would play on the big crowds, they they probably, you know, had something else to do that day. And so I would end up playing keys or, you know, playing guitar or whatever was needed because of that. And it's funny because now I see back at it and I'm like, wow, that was a major crucial point of my development in not only music, but in, in, in my passion, you know, and what I wanted to do in life. So, yeah. yeah. I know you've moved, you moved from Honduras to South Carolina and now to Nashville. How has 
like your love of music evolved in that progression um, and actually nearly helped you in the transition between countries, people, places? Yeah, so when I was around 12, uh, my parents brought me. They were already in South Carolina, so they brought me to South Carolina and then I spent most of my teenage years there. And when I was 18, I started traveling more. So I've lived in probably like eight different states uh, ever since I was 18. So, you know, I've changed a lot of um, my musical tastes and uh, the culture around me. Because even within the United States, I'm sure you know, there's completely different cultures. You know, I lived in mm-hmm. South Florida for a while. Oh, man. It's a whole different culture. And then I moved to L.A. to work for a church. And it was a whole different uh, culture as well. But now here in Nashville, I feel like I've, I mean, I'm still trying to understand music, but it, more than understand it, I think music is a language for me in the way I communicate what I feel because I can be a bit sometimes shy sharing, you know, deep and personal things. And so music has been that excuse. And I'm sure that for most songwriters, they find comfort in sharing the heavy stuff within musical lyrics, you know, or poetry, you know, which I'm a big fan of. So yeah, it, it's changed a lot for me, but it all, honestly, in whichever season I've been, I think that the music I, I had in my life at the time was exactly what I needed, if that makes any sense. Have you released your first EP yet, or are you just about to? I, I'm almost done recording the EP, but I think it should be out by you know, the first or second week of January. But I did release uh, my first single recently. I saw and, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I I think I'm going to release the EP in January. Yeah, what's the EP called? The EP is called Tales of a Dreamer. Oh, um, That's what the name yes. will be, yeah. yeah. And this is, the first, this is the first time I revealed the name. I actually, uh, I was talking to my producers yesterday about it, and I was like, I, I really need to define the name, but I think that, you know, that's going to be it for me. Because um, so cool. the, the, the EP is filled with songs of um, stories, you know, of someone that has a different point of view when it comes to the world, I think. But mm-hmm. for me, um, it's about it's all about trying to find home and belongingness and fit in, you know, and my struggles within all the paradigms of culture. But so, yeah, I think I, I, think I really like the name Tales of a Dreamer because... That's pretty much what it is. When you release this EP, what do you want people to take away from it? I think the most important reason of why I do music is always to let people know they're not alone. And to be honest with you, this whole EP, it's, it's focused even more on, on, on bringing this message to people who feel like they don't fit in. They feel like religion is not enough they feel like what they've been taught is not enough and people who really feel isolated from uh the norms of society or the norms of what people say or the media or you know because i am myself a misfit you know i don't necessarily fit in and um in many 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 areas in life but i think it has allowed me to understand what other people go through. And for me, that's really important. So I want them to see hope and hear hope in the songs and anything I do, actually, even this podcast or uh, getting coffee with a friend, anything I do, I think my life is, hopefully, my purpose is to bring a bit of light into 
you know, the heavy places. And I hope I, I'm doing that correctly, you know, or properly. Can you take me back where I belong? Looking for a place that feels like Only because, um, do you know anything about the Enneagram? I do. I do know. What, yeah. do, what type are you? I'm type four, actually. I knew it. Yes. Yeah. Because the, yeah. question I'm, the question I'm about to ask was probably really bad for a type four because type fours can't be defined. They're their own people. And yeah. I was about to say, how do you define yourself as a musician? <laughs> yeah. That, wow. <laughs> yes. You know that that's a hard question. How do I define myself as a musician? I am very, um, what's the word in English? Uh, I am very experimental. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I honestly, if, I don't know if you've heard, uh, you know, some of my stuff before, but I think that my music is, is a combination of Latin American folk with songwriter, like trap, hip hop type of thing. It's like a weird thing. That's so cool. So I would define myself as uh, exotically experimental. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, it's just like your a genre. Just go with it. Yeah, but but I do I do like to say I do like to think that I have a um, a lot of Latin folk background mm -hmm. in my music, and so you you do hear a lot of, for example, like Peruvian flutes or Mexican guitars or you know some type of uh, choir that sounds tribal or like African. So I do have a lot of that because um, Latin America is very rich in music and, and we do have a lot of African influences in our, in our music. So rhythmic, you know, a lot of vocals kind of thing. So I, I do think that, see, I'm having a hard time defining myself. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm new to releasing, you know, original music. I, I've done some covers and stuff before. So I'm, this is my first time I'm ever releasing like a whole project that's completely, you know, myself because I've done church music before and released music through church projects and, and church bands, but this is the first time. So to be honest with you, maybe we should come back to this question like 10 years from now. And Can yeah. you tell me a little bit about how your spirituality um, impacts your creative process? And in saying that, um, I know for some people it's like a really like, okay, I go through this process. For other people, it's just so naturally part of who they are that it just plays yeah. out. Is that the case for you? It's been the case for me for a while until recently, a few years ago, I think I changed my um, perspective on songwriting, but I think it affects every part of me, not only my music, the way I see the world, the way I see the universe, God, you know, the big questions in life, uh, struggles and, you know, depression, etc. I think that everything that has to do with the spiritual realm in, in my life somehow affects everything I do, especially musically, because when you're when you are writing, uh, your spirit is more tender towards feelings that you might hide sometimes, you know, you'll be surprised sometimes how like, you don't know that you have certain things inside. But when, when you start writing, 
I don't know, a poem about it. It doesn't have to be songs, but when you write a poem or when you write a text message or when you write, you know, an Instagram um, description or whatever it's called, like a post, um, you realize that there's things inside of you that you need to deal with. So I think it affects me and everything. I get it. Like as, cool. as much cool. as that's really personal to you, I get that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I feel Sweet. similarly in my own life. I completely get that. Yeah. Awesome. Great um, to know I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, trust me, you're definitely not the only one at all. Yeah. Um, I was actually, I was, um, my favorite band, Switchfoot, and I was, oh, I, yeah. That's my favorite band. Yes. I'm so excited for the really music. good friends. I yeah. love Switchfoot. I know, they're so good. I've been loving them for a while. Sorry, you see how excited I get? No, I, I I'm them. like, right, awesome. I, I get really excited and um, yeah. also like really What's your favorite Switchfoot album? Man, see, I came on the bandwagon late. It's really sad. Uh-huh. I knew about them for ages because I was like, look, a cool Christian band. Um, but then yeah. then I interned at Try Love and it was like, uh-huh. I really should listen to Switchfoot. Um, yeah. I have a really soft spot for the edge of the earth, like the that occult the era. The EP? Yeah. Wow, um, that's and, awesome. And sort of the album around that, Fading West, not because it's like the quintessential sound, but because it's really emotional right. for me. Um, and it, rem- okay. it reminds me of Florida. So that's what I yes. love that. Um, <laughs> I moved to LA when that album came out. So it was perfect. Yes. <laughs> so it good. was my soundtrack to, to my trip to LA. It was, yeah. it's, it's a great album. What, what, great. What's your favorite Switchfoot album? I love Hello Hurricane. That's I, yes. I, I don't know. I keep coming to it. That's my favorite album. It's the one it's, that I won a Grammy. More... You can't lose. Yeah, no, and it's, I think it's their more uh, guitar-driven album yeah. and also their more uh, honest. In it. Not honest, because I think everything they do is honest, but it's the more, like, it's the more, uh, what's it called, profoundly heartbreaking and, you know, I love those kind of albums when, some writers are not afraid to go in the deepest part of their souls, you know? Yes. And so I think that Fading West is amazing. I love that album. But Fading West, Fading West was like a result of coming out of the hurricane. You know what I'm saying? Totally so me, get I it. Loved it. Mm-hmm. I love when they were dwelling in the hurricane and the whole like questioning everything as a band. I, I love them. I could talk. I, we could actually make a podcast about Swiss music. <laughs> I would be up for that. <laughs> Sounds great. about activism in your music part of me feels stupid asking this because i'm like well it's your life like you're a dreamer and you have heritage in like different countries you've lived in different places you you belong to different people in some capacity but why why is it so important for you to not only sing about that and write about that but also live it out like i saw you you met bernie sanders which i (laughs) was like oh my gosh it's amazing yeah can can you tell me a bit about that yeah, I think it's all been, you remember how I was telling you when, when I started playing music, it was always because of a necessity that I learned something else. Activism has been the same thing for me. I never looked for it and I never wanted to 
actually, I never knew that I could do some type of advocacy for immigrants or, you know, the marginalized. So it, it all started because of music. And so it's funny because one thing leads to another. Church led me to music. Music led me to advocacy. And advocacy led me to uh, doing things like meeting Bernie Sanders or, you know, singing in, in front of like the Democratic National Committee. Mm -hmm. like, and so stuff like that, I think that um, it's been crazy. Like, I can't believe I've done things I've done when it comes to activism and advocacy. But it pretty much happened because of a music uh, video that one of my friends and I did on YouTube. And we did a cover of Imagine. It's a John Lennon song. I saw uh, that. So, yeah. So the cover, the cover kind of went like to places that we didn't expect it to go. Like we thought it was just gonna be like a really, you know, cool video, and and but it it went farther than we thought. And so uh, we got contacted by the National Democratic Committee, and they they flew us to D.C. to play in front of like pretty much like all these like politicians in in Washington D.C. And uh, that I met so many people like Elizabeth Warren, like uh, Cory Booker, you know, a lot of senators and people that I admire. Mm -hmm. and, and then I was um, approached by the, you know, chief of staff of Bernie Sanders. And he was like, oh, Bernie would like to meet you. So could you stay, you know, and one more day? So stuff like that has happened because of music. So yeah. and um, and so oh, because of that, I've been advocating for dreamers for a few years now because I am a, myself a dreamer and a lot of people don't it's hard to understand it's a hard concept to understand but uh, my immigration status is pretty much a, a lim in limbo like I don't have a solution to it right now mm -hmm. and so therefore I am trapped in this limbo I I always like to explain it like we are friend zoned by the US like I'm like a, I'm like in the friend zone for the US because they don't want me here but they do and then they don't let me go out of the country, but they want to deport me as well. So it's like a weird thing. It's like they rip the benefits of the dreamers because most of us are college graduates, you know, business owners and uh, teachers, you know, firefighters, even people in the army. And so the U.S. as a country does get, you know, something out of the dreamers, but they don't want to give us anything back, you know, besides just a two-year permit that you have to be constantly renewing and paying a lot of money for. And so I've been doing a lot of advocacy for ref immigration reform and legislation that needs to be passed in Congress. And, you know, it's been a long fight, but I'm still, I'm still standing like the, you know, popular song says, and my advocacy has never been something I seek for, but it's been something that has come to me without asking for it. So a lot of people see me as a rebel and I'm like, I never asked for it to be, an advocate towards you know helping uh, immigration reform be a reality but I think that it's more a calling that has placed upon my life without me asking for it it's like when God when God asked Moses to go deliver the people of Israel from Egypt he had no idea you know yeah. so I, feel, I feel not to compare myself to Moses because he was really cool but you know I feel like that in a way because it's yeah. like but I can't even speak English properly or I can't even sing that well or I can't even do any you know thing like you know professionally or I don't have the professional education to be an advocate you know I could be a pastor I do have that but so now I see it like that's kind of my ministry now if you want to yeah. use those terms you know yeah. I want to use the platform that I've been given in order to bring hope to people who feel like 
they don't have an identity because they honestly don't like that we don't have like a, an identity literally because of uh our immigration status and you know because most of us were brought here by our parents when we were kids or by somebody you know so yeah. we did not decide this lifestyle yeah. so when people tell some dreamers like yeah you you know you should have came legally you know, to begin with most people don't understand that to be a dreamer you have had to be here you have had to be here before you were 15 mm -hmm. and before certain there's a lot of things that you have to you know have in order to become a, a dreamer but so yeah, so it's something I never asked for. You know, I don't. I was telling one of my friends the other day. I sometimes I wish I didn't have the label of a dreamer, mm -hmm. the label of an immigrant, but it's it's just something that that I was born into, and so I had to learn to live with it. Yeah. So yeah, thank I went you. long with my answer. <laughs> no, I um, thank you for sharing it. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, um, it's stuff that I've heard about. And I see, I mean, I lived, I lived in the US for a while, but still like I'm, I'm Australian. I have full citizenship here. Um, and so it's, it's very easy for me to see something and have thoughts and opinions on it, but um, yeah. to actually hear about it and for me to be like, yeah, shut up, Jessica, like listen to someone who actually, you're living it. And so I, I, I value that. Um, I, I probably doesn't, it's not much, but it's, I appreciate it. No, thank you. Thanks for listening. And I know it's a complex, profound thing. So it's not, it, it, you know, I tell people all the time, don't feel bad for not knowing much of the policy little details because it's so much. Yeah. I mean, a dreamer is just one category of so many other different immigration, you know, struggles and issues that we're facing as a country. But yeah, it's it's don't ever feel bad for you know not knowing it it's totally cool. Imagine there's no countries It isn't hard to do Nothing to kill or die for and no religion too All the people living life in peace. You, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join. observed in the US and speaking to a lot of my friends in Nashville when it comes to politics at the moment immigration is sort of at the forefront of that the church is really divided and I think like evangelicals and then you have all these other people and it's it's really complex and I know for me when I went to Nashville it was like I saw it and I was just I couldn't quite make sense of it some capacity we share the same, like all these people, we share the same core beliefs, sort of. Uh, we share some core beliefs. Uh, we, yeah. we go to, like, we go to jail, whatever. What does it mean when the community or the faith community that they profess and you profess in some capacity to belong to, 
sort of sees this political ideal and rejects it, but actually fundamentally is about your existence and your life. Does that make any sense? It, it does. It's really difficult for me to come to terms and to understand why the evangelical church, most of it, because also I can't generalize, there's a lot of evangelical churches in the country that have been openly supportive of immigrants, and especially right now, as you say, as we speak, there is a caravan of thousands of Hondurans, you know, and it, I'm from Honduras, uh, and so it speaks really close to my heart, and uh, so it's a very heavy thing for me to process because I grew up in a church where I don't think I was never exposed to this subject as of from the spiritual perspective. How do we treat immigrants? How do we treat foreigners? And again, I grew up not really knowing that that was my label, you know, until I became a conscious teenager, you know, and then I was like, what does it mean to be illegal? You know, why do people call me undocumented or why does it mean to be without a social security number? And then, uh, you know, identity crisis started happening for me. I tell people all the time I had a existational crisis when I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's not normal for a teenager to be questioning, like, do you know, where do I really come from? Like, or I guess it, it is normal in a lot of people, but for me, it was, it was asking myself, why did the church not openly support it the cause of immigrants. And I'm, I think that it's really important to say that this is more than politics. You know, it's about, and this is such a cliche, but I'm going to say it, more than the politics of it, it's about the people. You know, it's about the people that even go to your churches. Like I've heard pastors speak against immigration and they their churches are filled with like undocumented immigrants, you know. And I, I don't understand how that's possible, you know, or pastors who support certain policies by the new administration that literally harm the lives of so many immigrants and they still have immigrants in their church and they still support these policies simply because, you know, the, the, the subject of abortion, you know, and it's a long conversation and I don't want to go, you know, deep into it, but church, the church in the U S I think is, it tends to lean towards this new administration because of the things that he's, the president has said about abortion, et cetera. And so, they use that as a, okay, so he's anti-abortion, so we're going to be for him regardless of what other things he does, you know. And so nationalism has a lot to do with it as well. And these things are very dark to talk about. And you have to, if you're listening to this and you're not sure, like, am I a nationalist or do I have certain aspects of characteristics of a nationalist or an extremist, you know. And it's, you never know if you do because you're so into your beliefs that sometimes your belief, you know, don't let you see certain things. And so I, I've been heartbroken by the church, but I, I at the same time, I, I've loved to see everything that some churches have done when it comes to supporting the dreamers, like a church in LA one time, they, you know, got together as, as pastors and they literally gather around these dreamers that were protesting. And those pastors, those pastors got arrested, like American, North American pastors. And so seeing things like that, I'm like, wow, you know, there, there is certain, there is a Saturday church that's strongly standing with immigrants to the point where they would stand in between a protest and an immigration agent. 
and being willing to be arrested. So I've seen both of you know the size of it. So it's important for me to mention you or to tell you the both uh, sides of the story because even though most of the church has been in favor of policy that affects immigrants, I think that there's a small amount of people in churches that have done just incredible amount of work and they have gone out of their ways to help and bring hope into immigrants and foreigners. The moment is here, the day is now, so like a fire, keep the dream alive, keep it alive. This country is our land, this country is our home, this dream is like fire in my bones, we are not going anywhere. This is where we belong. I saw on YouTube, you came into 2018 with a mission to write a new song every single day. How is <laughs> oh, that God, going? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, uh, I, thanks for like looking into that. I feel like I did that and it was like, a, it was more of a personal challenge. It, it, I did it for 50 days. So I, you know, I wanted to do it for every day of the year. And when I reached the 49 song, I understood that like I needed to not do it publicly, but like do it privately. Yeah. So ever since I've been writing, not necessarily entire entire songs every day, but I've been writing at least verses every day, like verses of poetry. I, I I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of poetry as well, especially Spanish poetry. So I've been writing a lot of poetry or song lyrics, and I've been doing it. I'm I'm, I'm still doing it. I mean I. I'm about to do it as actually as soon as we get off this interview, I'm about to go and write something. And again, it's, mostly it sucks, you know, it's not good, but um, it's, it's been a really nice challenge. Um, yeah. And I've, I've enjoyed doing it. Like one mammoth effort. Amazing. But also like, I was like, how, yeah. do, how do you keep that creativity going? Like I'm, I'm a writer, but if I get to the point where I just have like, I just have nothing else to give. I feel like a vegetable. So yeah. Um, I feel like that every day, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it doesn't stop me. I honestly just want to grow as a songwriter because, especially in English, I, I think I'm a decent writer in Spanish. Actually, I'm a, I'm very secure in my writing in Spanish because I love the language. I am a big fan of of the language, and I've studied it and I read mostly in Spanish. And so the challenge was mostly to become a better communicator in English. And I'm still wanting to become better at it. And my my EP would have two songs in English, and I, I should have mentioned this, I guess, earlier, and three songs in Spanish. Um, but it's more like a Spanglish EP. And there's a you've been in the U.S., so you know there, there's a whole Spanglish culture going on. Mm-hmm. But this EP is specifically because it's my it's my uh, debut EP. It's my introduction to the music world uh, when it comes to releasing something professionally. This EP will be a the most like the, the it's like a presentation card like this is me yeah. i live within two worlds i speak you know two languages and i see the world dif- two different ways completely different ways yeah. and so honestly i'm just trying to become better at writing english lyrics and and uh, words so yeah. yeah sweet i love that what is your this could also be a tough question so you can do a top three if it's easier your most favorite okay. song ever Okay, it's between Here Comes the Song by the Beatles and uh, there's this other song called Everything in the Tribe Place by Radiohead and then Blackbird by the Beatles. So between those three songs, 
It's a really hard question, but I think All right now at the moment, it's probably like one of those three. <laughs> yeah, no, good choices. I like that. Yeah. Um, and last question, if you could go back in time and speak to yourself when you were a kid um, and you were at, at your church drawing those drums on your, on your little notepad um, and you're sort of yeah. like starting this whole like musical journey and beginning everything that you've gone through, what would you say to yourself? I would say, kid, you're going to do crazy things that you can't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was, he would not believe me. He'll be like, what? I love yeah. that. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah, that's what I would say. A la montaña. La montaña. editing that interview I was really moved by it and really challenged we are so much richer for knowing Gustavo's story and his music his new single La Montana is out now so make sure you go download it check it out on Spotify and iTunes you can also follow Gustavo on Instagram at Gustavo Guerrero Remember to tune in next week for our final episode of Season 1. We are speaking to Sai and I all about Christian hip-hop and the incredible story about how he overcame so many obstacles in his life to spread a message of hope. It's a really fun interview. He's a really cool guy and you'll really enjoy it. So, guys, make sure that you subscribe now on iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. You can also find us online at betweenyouandmepod.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Between You Me Pod. We'll see you next week. Thanks for hanging out. Cause you my world's changing. I hear your voice from making every part of me with everything you are. My hope is in you, Jesus. Right here inside your freedom. I feel your joy deep inside my heart. For listening to the Between You and Me podcast. Stay connected by visiting www.betweenyouandmepod.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more Christian news, reviews, and interviews, get plugged in to jesuswire.com.